now a nigga Rose Royce Rise. Rose Gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I could stun on you niggas, but I'ma keep it mine. I'm downtown LA getting Cuban links pop. I rap sometimes, but I'm usually kicking knowledge. We back, ladies and gentlemen. What's happening? What's happening, fam? And I know you can email me at I mean pod at gmail.com if you want to know what's currently playing i know you do you can admit it it's okay incredible musical taste i understand but welcome back i have a very 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 special guest here today this has been so many years in the making but hey we're here we're alive we're healthy we're happy we're beautiful she's beautiful i don't know about me but uh here we go Who's that Pokemon? John A. Thompson, I am the nerdiest man you know. I'm sure of it. <laughs> What's up, Trevanti? What's happening? How are you? I feel tremendous. How That's about you? great to hear. I feel great. Um, forgive me if I sneeze at any point. It's not the Rona. I think it's just allergies or some shit. But um, I got some tissue nearby other than that sneezing i am just splendiferous you know what i'm gonna add that word to the queue of words i don't understand but i figure it's <laughs> derivative of splendid and you know, it's one of those words that i'm not even sure if it's a real word or if i just shot bigger than you know i, I might have just reached for the stars that might not even really be a word you know what? But it though? felt good. That's what matters the most. I think that's where these words come from. It was a feel. You can rearrange the letters and exactly. the characters in any which way you like, but I felt your energy. It's all about exactly. the vibes. Exactly. So it felt, you know, real. So that's why you believed it. I believed it. I think it might really be a word. The listeners know the vibes. Y'all know the vibes. <laughs> Look it up. Come because on. now I won't be able to sleep. Splendiferous. Yeah, we need to figure this out. If not, we just made a new word. Write it down, niggas. Oh, you know what? It is a word, and your definition was just perfect. It, the definition is splendid. And you perfect. Said, you said <laughs> you said it's a derivative of splendid. So look, you are very smart. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not Merriam-Webster with it, but uh, you know, I peruse. I read the books every now and again. <laughs> so, you're fresh off of the trails of a tremendous, wonderful. All right, if, all right. If y'all don't know, you want to go back to the beginning. Let's just start there, and then we'll fast forward. Ooh, what the yeah. hell just happened? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go from the beginning. <laughs> Take it from the top. John A. Thompson, Queen John A. on all of the socials and networks, and also in real life, to be honest with you. Um, I crossed her path. We crossed each other's paths on Lindley and Lassen. Mm-hmm. This was back in 2008. That sounds right. I reckon. You know, these when you get older, some of that shit blurs together into one kind of experience between yeah seven or eight maybe yeah so i think to was that, that, was that an ra you were an ra 
Was I your RA? Yes, you were bossing niggas around. <laughs> I was like, wait, was I was I your RA? Yes, you were. All right. Okay. So yeah. that was probably 2000, yeah, seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was, was I like, bossy? I was not bossy. Not not to me and JC, not to JC and I. <laughs> no. We had zero static. In fact, we just formed a nice alliance. We weren't ratting nobody else out or anything like that. I know what that might imply. No. We were just cool. And you were like, hey, come by the comedy store. I was like, what is that? The world famous comedy <laughs> store, nigga? You don't know what that is? And I, we didn't know that you were funny, hilarious, nothing. I remember because um, the both of you were from like the East Coast or something or Midwest or something like that, maybe. He's, Am I making stuff up? No, JC's from Detroit. Okay. I'm from Cincinnati. You know, so most of the family is. We were both in Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky. Yeah. So we're basically like, country boys. We were country boys, and you were like, so this was I a took y'all to the comedy store. Mm-hmm. That is so random because I'm like, I I don't know if that was breaking any violations. No. <laughs> like, I'm like, was I supposed to be fraternizing like that? Who cares? Who Whatever. cares? It we was... did our thing, and we're still all linked, which is amazing. Isn't that crazy? You know how I many niggas yeah. done fell apart? Man, come on, speak on it. Over nothing. <laughs> because like I think that's what tribes do they find each other there's nothing that they can do to resist the energies that attract each other to each other facts you know what I'm saying so no, no matter the time or distance that shit don't matter it doesn't matter what's going on in our environment it doesn't matter if, if like if that environment changes we find ourselves back to where we started we just hit play again we just hit resume we ain't got to start nothing over at zero. You know what I'm saying? And so it was me, JC, and Nick Dundee. Nick! Yeah. Oh, shit, white boy Nick. Yes, white boy Nick. Nick. Shit. He looked like ah. a young um, Like, kind of, didn't he kind of look like Heath Ledger or somebody? Dead one of them. On. Dead on. He looked like one of them. Yep, dead on. He, okay, that is hilarious. Dead on Heath had the curly, the curly hair and all that. Dang, you just took me back. <laughs> That's one of my things. I always take people all the way the fuck back. I'm like, oh. Um, yeah, so all three of us pulled up, and we had a ball. We had a blast. And, mm-hmm. you, and you were up there performing, and it was great. You know, for, you know, from a comedy lover's perspective, it was amazing to just witness the infancy mm-hmm. of your style and of your delivery. You looking for that, finding it. Because you were already doing your thing. Yeah. I do believe for a little bit before you invited. I'm sure you wouldn't have just invited some niggas when you were like, I don't know. Unless you had to fill some seats. If it was 2008, I was just, I started standing up in 2008. Okay, so So, we were there at the beginning. Yeah. That might have been your first show. It was definitely in the beginning. Okay, right, because... When you're doing open like mics and stuff, saying, you got to mm-hmm. bring a few people. Yeah, it was, yeah. I was doing bringer shows at the comedy store for, honestly, like a year, maybe year plus. Um, and that's really how I started to meet a lot of other comedians and just get some some footing in a regular, you know, a regular, um, a regular club, which is kind of rare. Usually, you kind of have to just do open mics for a long, 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 long time before you can get to a place like that. But 
it's not to say you can't do it, you know? Clearly, uh, because you got up in there and infiltrated. You know, I was like, I'm going to get my people. So they, obviously, they're, if you bring people and you're funny just a little bit, you know, come on. They're going to book you as many times as they can. So that's the secret. <laughs> it was so ill because we went out and we got some in and out Burger afterward, I think. Um, I want to say that your mom was there, too. Wow, yeah, because my family used to drive up every every month, every time I would do the show. Yep, I think she had dreads at the time. Probably had some, like... Uh, or some hair kind of done up. You know, some type of... Yeah, some she little twisties. Her little uh, double-strand twist. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, that's where... Oh, man, humble beginnings. And just to see your growth... You went to San Diego for a little bit, which is where you're from, right? Yeah. I'm not making shit so, up. No, you, you're you good. You're right on track. Okay. Yeah. So, Shout out um, to the 619. Yeah, post-grad, I think I was able to stay here for maybe a year or two. Um, but then I I was working in the nonprofit world, so mm. keeping a job in that sort of style. A lot of things were getting defunded, um, and I was honestly jobless for close to a year and just like on the strength, you know, rent late, 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 <laughs> late, late, late. And then it was like that final, like, girl, if you're late one more time, we're going to have to let you go. So I went back home for about three more years um, and then came back. It was a minute because as soon as you got back, what happened? You hit me up and then we went to uh, some joint. We got Thai food. I got curry. Yes. Yes. That's when I used to live in uh, in North Hollywood, like the not the arts district. North, you, north, north, north. <laughs> um, Where I got jibber jabbed up. At, probably, yeah. Yeah, uh, I lived like my apartment was like pretty much connected to a Thai food restaurant. Damn near, it was like mm-hmm. empty trash. Walked to the Thai food place. Like that's how close it was. Was it Swan? Um, no, it was called Cinema Long Cafe. Bega Baba. <laughs> It was like, I know, right? It was right across the street from a Kmart. Shout out to that. I think the Kmart is still there. Okay. That's probably one left. Because most niggas Kmarts be turning into them Halloween extravaganza shops. <laughs> right, yeah, no. I think it's a Kmart slash Sears Essentials. Oh, Essentials. I know. Now, there was a, um, there was a show that happened recently. It was put together by all of the birds of prey, but Kev one stage <laughs> oh, yeah. spearheaded. Yes, this in particular, of formerly of all deaf digital, not mm-hmm. analog, but electronic and technologically advanced. The network, yeah, <laughs> of which you Part- were also involved. Okay. Yeah, um. So that's the Keep Your Distance comedy show, which Kev created during this time, during this pandemic. Um, Kev got creative, which he always, always is, always has been that way. Um, But he started a comedy series that features comedians, some that you know, some that you may not know. Um, And the show, I believe it it may be bi-monthly or so. Mm -hmm. Um, This 
particular lineup, it was all women, all black women. And um, that was awesome. It was exciting. We had Zainab, Jan- Zainab Johnson, uh, Shantae Wayans, uh, Angel Tanksley, a.k.a. That Chick Angel. Um, you. Me, Cornelia Stradwick. Um, Kev hosted uh, Angel. I'm sorry, Alicia Cooper uh, or Alicia Cooper. Um, look at me getting people's names wrong. It's I, Yo, I'm, I, she I, got, Alicia, I got a margarita. Alicia got, and I feel you. Shit, I you know I got the uh, sunset, the sunset sherb popping, feeling <laughs> fantastic, very mellowed out. Um, yeah. Now Alicia Cooper was ruining the names as soon as she got on stage, so it's all good. I'm like, wait, why did I call her Alicia? Yo, it was probably karma. Let her know that. It was very karmic <laughs> that you immediately fucked her name up the way that she immediately <laughs> fucked y'all's names up when she got up there. It was uh, hilarious. But she's allowed to do it. She's because been in the game for a minute, you know. Hilarious. She's been paying her dues. Yeah. She, 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 she's an older lady. Like, she's an older black woman. What the fuck are you going to say to her? Right. That's my name Sir, for now. That, that's my yeah. I'm not gonna correct you. You know what I'm saying? Drum kid. I mean, it's not quite my name, but uh, I'll. It's fine. You know, I'll go for it. I know. I know. Yeah. You know, we'll work on it. You know, we'll get it together. But uh, <laughs> now you, you, now you guys killed it. That shit Thank was you. so funny. I Thank am you. serious. And you started like, come on, like the way that they built it up, and the promos that they did, high quality as. Red camera ass, red dragon ass, camera <laughs> promos with the yeah. birds of prey, high production value. And so you guys drummed up and I was looking at the viewership. I'm like, mm-hmm. and then I was calculating, I, I, like I was doing math. I'm like, man, it, we're at like 7,000 right now. They're going crazy in the stream. Y'all didn't yeah. know this. Like they're going nuts yeah. at every yeah. moment. And I'm like 7,000 people, that's $15 a ticket. 20 if you a late ass nigga that's all kind of dough yeah at the door that made it an immediate success but what what made it special even more of a success was y'all showed the fuck up and then showed out thank you one after the other you know it's an honor you know to work with a i honestly i've known all of those ladies for like 10 years plus probably Mm. so um anytime i see them it's it's a like seeing sisters, homegirls, family, whatever you want to call it. Um, but to just see how, as our lives change, you know, our stories change and our material changes, and it's it's dope. Y'all put me on to some new comics. You like you know I'm a comedy nerd. Yeah, like, I'm really <laughs> nerdy about comedy. Like I really am. Yeah. Um, like you put me on to Alicia Cooper. Uh huh. Stradwick. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like news voice. I'm so sorry. Do you, I, first of all, I was blessed with two days of the news voice because we had did a zoom show <laughs> the night before and with the homies and she was just talking about it. And we we're like, do you talk about this on stage? She's like, no, not really. Like, please, you have got to, this shit is just golden. Like a failed news anchor. Like, that's nobody else's story as a comedian. You know what I mean? Only Roy uh, Woods Jr. O- only Roy. Yeah. Remember, he was a he he was a journalist. There we go. Yeah, I didn't even really re- I I didn't realize that. Yeah. But now that 
Do that. Because you and Roy have performed at a show. I went to your show at the Improv. Mm-hmm. Roy was Is like... Yeah, uh, the Soulful Collective show? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because Roy was the guy that night. Mm-hmm. And then you guys all warm you know warmed us up for him essentially you know what i'm saying like everyone did their little part um and then roy came in and murdered everybody with a uh, chicken nugget bit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know roy is good people yeah. uh, here's a fun fact um i don't know if you want my jill scott joke but um that's one of the more i would say greatest hits you know that's one every- of the classic bits yeah, it's one of the classics. So people who see me, they they know that one. There's a few they know, but um, Roy was the one who helped me tag the shit out of that one. <laughs> like mm. he saw me doing it, he was like, "Yo, this bit is hilarious." He was like, "But just imagine if you just keep going with foods." He's like, "Just keep going, just keep saying more and more and more and more." Like, and he took that joke from it being, you know, that in its infancy to it's one of my most. I would say shared or loved jokes at this point. So that's my Roy Woods Jr. story. Shout out to Roy Woods Jr. Plus, you know, I think what was important about that to me is that he was like, lean into your talents and strengths. Like, you are hilarious, but you can also sing, and not everybody can do that shit. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? And so it was like, yo, combine this and this, and this is like, this makes you something that no one else can be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Only John A can do this. Yeah, and Jamie Foxx. You know what I mean? No, no, like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of that's course. A joke. So we got to. Yeah, yeah. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Um, you were talking about the uh, the growth in your yeah. act. Um, things have to happen in order for things to happen. You know what I'm saying? And so it was really interesting to see and just recall um, how you would go about really, you know, because in the infancy of anyone's stand-up career, they're just talking about literally themselves. Yeah. And then in that, they're finding the funny about it, which is what you were doing, you know, just like you know, just like anyone else. And it was um, really cool to see your performance the other night. Um, to see it really be not the opposite of what it was when you had started and you're smirking yeah. because it kind of is. Yeah. Like uh, some of the things that you stood for and this and that, you know what I'm saying? Life comes at you fast. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's um, you literally grew. You know what I'm saying? You were like, um, yeah, so I used to be about this when I was younger. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, things had to happen and then I had relationships and this and that and then they fell through and some went well and I learned through this to Mm -hmm. become the woman that you are today and Mm -hmm. I circle back around and I basically shout out to my homie Currency one of my favorite rappers in the universe just about every damn episode somehow I find a way but it was (laughs) if I wouldn't have been that then I wouldn't be this yeah you know there's a lot of truth to that you know what I'm saying? And you made that hilarious, and which makes me think about, you know, the concept of comedy. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of strife in there where the comedy comes from. Um, there's a lot of a feeling of lack, you know, where the comedy comes from. Truth, you know, even mm-hmm. when you 
do the reduce ad absurdum about it and reduce it to something truly absurd. It was like, nah, but what you what y'all are laughing at and don't realize is the kernel of truth in my life. Like I'm I'm just living on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why they're connecting to you so easily and so um yeah. you know, comfortably. It's like, no, she's very familiar. She's a person up there. Like she's not just an act up there. Thank she's you. acting out. You know what I mean? So it was kind of beautiful to see you refine your life experiences since the last time we saw each other to what I saw on that stage because you cut up. Thank <laughs> you. I had a blast. Um, it was one of those, uh, for me, I hadn't really got a chance to, um, I would say be like, like experience like a real live audience really since like February, mm-hmm. March. Um, and it, I went into that particular set with the mindset of like, Hmm, I kind of want to do new stuff. Like I had, I just felt like I just had like a special with revolt come out so that I'm kind of like, I can't really do anything from there. I can't really, you know, I mean, I could, but I also was very much like, you know, like just do something new. So it, it, but I also had that comedian voice in the back of my head that's like, well, when it's a taping, you kind of don't <laughs> want to necessarily try out new stuff necessarily. You want to do what you know, what, what's timed out, where you, you know, you want to know where the laughs are, those sort of things. But um, I was blessed to be able to have a amazing sister and partner with Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel. Yeah, so Angel and I, we went over our sets with each other that night and or that afternoon. And, you know, we're an audience for each other, punched up each other's material, that sort of thing, which is beautiful to come together like that. That Clydesdale tag at the end. Because you know, I'm a little, old. I'm a little too, old, a little too old to be a stallion. I feel like that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be mid thirties. I don't know about it. It was little things like that. Clydesdale tag. I was like, oh, right. And then you, and and then you did, uh, you broke it down. You know what I'm saying? You like, <laughs> like you did the pop lock and drop it, and it was like, oh, my. <laughs> that's the last I, one of them. My knees cannot handle. <laughs> I want to see the set. That's, oh my gosh! I need to get on Kev's head. Like Kev, I need I need a copy of that. You need a copy of that. <laughs> the lighting was on point. Your skin was as radiant as always. Like I was like, look, this is this vintage John Day up here. Ain't aged the day. None oh. of that. It I'm trying to you know, acquire experience. Trying to still play twenty year old roles. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Yeah. So you guys. Do you run a whole set in front of each other or just uh I just went sections? so basically I just like went over some premises with her, like this is what I'm thinking about talking about. And she was like, You gotta talk about the uh growing up in the ghetto schools, you gotta like, you know, we just went over our stuff and it was just like showing each other where the goal was. So hmm. that uh she was like, You gotta do the bit where you're talking about um, uh, the woke community, you know, trying to <laughs> bully you into things or um, 
there were a few where she was just like, you gotta do those ones. Cause I, I, I came out with so much material. She's like, girl, you got an hour. You talking about you nervous. You were up here. Like, I was like, but Angel, I've never done any of these on stage. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so it worked out. I feel like the set worked out the way it was. It was hilarious um, when we were going over our sets with each other. There was one joke that we had that was pretty much, and it was like the same thing. And she was just like, I'm so grateful that, you know, you went over your set because I have a joke like that that I was going to do. And I was like, honestly, I'll scrap it because I have so much other stuff too that I'm like, it's not that pivotal. You do yours like that. And I was like, and even if I do do mine, you yours is still different. Mm. You know, you could always say, you know, there's a way to bring it in where you, you know. Do you find that do you write a lot on stage or or do you prepare a lot of things, write it down, jot it down, go over it, break it down, polish it, and then bring it to stage? Or is there a difference between you, your process now, probably more streamlined? You can probably just turn things into comedy way faster at this point, like you're a master swordsman, that's shit, now you've been doing it for forever, versus when you first started. Um, I would say I write down my premises at the very least. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's times where I'll just kind of, um, write it out like a transcript where it's like word for word. This is what I would say. Nine times out of 10, it's not going to come out exactly like that, but I just do it from my own. Like it makes me feel more comfortable, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that I have a plan, (laughs) you know? Um, and then there's the, the, times where it's like okay i may write it but it's really developed on stage so when i'm on stage i kind of get more of the audience how they're receptive to it or if they're not receptive to it you know and it kind of lets me know do i go deeper into this do i you know where did they perk up at or where you know Mm -hmm. what can i cut down where can i trim the fat or where can i expand those sort of things I feel like come from when I do it on stage. Um, my process when I first started was I would literally write everything word for word and would try to memorize it, you know? Um, but now it's kind of like, I just may just write like a sentence and I know what, where that, what that bit is about, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to necessarily have a full, you know what I mean? A whole, a, a whole ass block. And you're like, okay, I'm going to memorize the script. Yeah. And, and you know, then you're looking like you're memorizing the script. <laughs> right. Exactly. The script. And then no matter how they're laughing or at what parts they're laughing, I'm still going forward and pushing forward with the script. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a lot more loose with it. Yeah. Um, especially if I'm hosting, Nine times out of 10, it's freestyle, damn near the whole set. If it's, you know, it's asked more for me an opportunity to try out new stuff without worrying about getting off my game and like have to figure out (laughs) the next however many minutes of my set, you know? Um, That's one of the things I noticed about this set in particular was just the ease, mm. just the stillness. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't do anything up there that you didn't want to do. I felt that. You didn't move yeah. in any way that you didn't intend to move, even if it was organic. And in that moment, it was that. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, do a spin here, dip, and then <laughs> rise back two feet and deliver. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Just calm, well, close. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I I think in general that is a part of, like, I know we talked earlier about, like, you experiencing, like, the infancy of, like, me really trying to figure out my, my way up there, um, you know, um, but I would say the more I've done it, the more I've found my authentic voice, my authentic rhythm, like, at this point, it's, I really am just up there that I'm not thinking about anything, like, I'm just... I'm in a whole nother place. So um, I'm, I've never really been much of a physical comedian to begin with. So like my style has always been very like, oh, she's at home. Like, <laughs> you know, it's very much like this is my living room, mm-hmm. you know, and it's this is just, this is what I have, guys. You want some chips and salsa or do you want, you know, some carrots and hummus? Like, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not very, um, I don't want to say I'm not high energy because it's just a different type of energy. Just a different type. Yeah. Now, when it comes to that kind of energy, do you do anything to, do you send your mind or do you spend time developing your act and that sort of thing, using other kinds of things that aren't necessarily comedy related, but it's all about the mental. And so it's like, yeah, I've been looking into meditation or this or that. And just because like what you just mentioned sounded like a visualization exercise sort of. It's like I'm up here on the couch and that's where I'd rather be actually right now instead of it being 1230 a.m. or, you know, 1145. And that's my slot. And I'm really trying to be at the crib chilling. I bring the crib to me and I'm up there. I have to be I have to be at home. Um really everywhere I go um like the older I get I'm just like yeah no if I'm not comfortable this this just isn't gonna go well so I do practice things like meditation stillness you know mindfulness things that I feel um are very necessary in a craft where you have to in a sense be a magician be a you know, you have to be, you have to be in control of energy mm-hmm. and that transfer of it and that, you know, so um, that's just where I'm at with it, where I, I have to make sure I'm very much like, I have to be good <laughs> before I can touch that stage. Somebody once told me, if you can't learn and train to control yourself, I'm talking about your breath and everything, everything that you do, you did because you wanted to, then you won't be able to and can't control anyone else. Now, this was in the fight game. This is martial arts and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that is just applicable to life. For instance, you have to, and so Kirk Fox he and I were kicking it with uh, Jesus Trejo and we were in the back after the shows shooting the shit mm-hmm. and he was like Mitzi always told me um, if there are three people in the audience 
you perform to them like there are 3,000, 30,000, 300,000 people in the audience. And if it's 300,000 people in it, like an arena, 30,000 people in a, a theater, 3,000 people there, you perform to them like there are only three. Mm-hmm. And that's a theater of the mind. You know, just finding out a way to control people because you can control yourself. You know, therefore you can more adequately not predict the outcome, but control the outcome. A little more, for sure. A little bit more, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I just, I don't remember who this was. Oh, my boy Rob Hayes. This was like Saturday night. Um, We were talking about that and like he was shocked i'm like no there has literally been a time where i've had to perform for one person like upstairs um comedy store i want to say is original room i mean belly room upstairs it was either there or original room some type of open mic or crack them up i don't remember the show but it was late and there was literally just one person left and honestly it it really it pushes you to in another way, a way that you wouldn't expect. Like at that point, you're not doing material necessarily. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how to connect with this person. And, you know, it, it's something special about it. It's kind of like it performing for foreigners or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, you have to make this, you have to get down to bare bones at this point, just human experiences. Like, where is the universalness in this? Like, you know? this is a language that we all speak, so I need to figure out right, what exactly that is so that I can speak our human language to this human in front of me, right. even though we don't technically speak the same language. We're of different nations. You know, something like that? It's like, no, but funny is funny, so I need to find that. That's our language. <laughs> yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, like... You, like you can watch Rick Ingram, you know, for instance, he, like he'll be up there and he don't write shit down at all. He just be there. Like whenever I watch him, he's just like crowd work for 15 minutes. And then he's like, all right, guys, thank you. And I'm like, damn, how much of that do you need to do to get to a point to where you can just fuck up the crowd yeah. for 20 straight? And that's like, Tony cool. Baker's like that. Tony yeah. Baker can freestyle anything you know (laughs) and i love that about him he can do it virtually he can do it live like he just knows how to just get in it he strikes me as someone like that you know like you like you know you tony shout out to tony uh roy people who are just funny you know what i'm saying like you can write some shit down right to hammer out the technical aspect of the way that you want to go about your comedy you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Procedurally. But someone like Tony, we all grew up, we all, black people knew a Tony Baker kind of guy. The yeah. uncle, the cousin, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Who just, he, he even speaks slowly like, you know, like the people from the South do, like my people yeah. do. And he's got that whole, like he just kind of be bumbling around and his delivery and what he be, like the way he jokes is like, yeah, like he could just make a joke or any moment funny because this is just it's like a nigga at a barbecue or at, or at the cookout yeah that's his kind of comedy and it's like 
I think that's infinitely but also brilliant fuck, you know oh, so yeah. that, that's the crazy part because it's rare that you can get someone who is so dope off the cuss mm-hmm. you can just pow 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 but also is a brilliant the pen game is brilliant so he has the I think the best of both worlds you know mm-hmm. um yeah have you seen Roy's uh <laughs> Roy was holding us down and I'm I'm thinking that this was during the pandemic, which makes it even better. Like in in that window, which is still, you know. So I think that it was. I'm not sure if it was right before or during. It would make sense if it was during because that would make sense as to why this nigga was. He had a, a church's chicken sandwich and then he had the, uh, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, and then he basically re- like just recreated or created his own his own TV show. Uh-huh. Crime drama TV show, but it was featuring all of the chicken sandwiches from all of the restaurants that this nigga would just end up at. Hilarious. Have you seen this? I have not, but now I gotta add watch list. Send it to me. I will. I will. I will. But I was <laughs> just sitting there. I was like, man, like this is a whole. I I know he's fucking around, but it's a whole production. Yeah, this is a real thing, and then, that's when I was like. He isn't just naturally funny. This guy is cerebral. Yeah. You know, in the same way that you were talking about um, T. Baker, it's just like, no, there's a mind, like a real, they're tr- like they're working. They are working. It's not like, no, I'm just gifted, just talented, just going out there and just shooting the shit with y'all. It's like, they also combine, like you guys combine what you were born with with what you're capable of. It's like, nah, but I can do more. X plus one. So I'm going to do that. If I just add a little bit of effort, if I just write a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'll be unstoppable, undeniable, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just relying on your gifts, you know, Steve will always be telling me about that. Like, he's like, you know, you can just naturally do this or that. But man, imagine if you really worked. And it's not that I don't, but he just wants to continue to instill that in me. Like, imagine if you combine what you were just born with, with just tenacity, you know what I'm saying? Just training like a maniac. So I kind of just adopted that thing. Like I train as though I have zero talent, no abilities. I can't rely on strength or power. None of that peerless, flawless technique. So that's the pursuit, you know? I love it. You know? Yeah. So what have you been up to just in general? Period. Um, well, the last um, few months have been picking up a lot more. There was definitely uh, a standstill where there was just like, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but great, gratefully, um, projects are picking back up. Um, I just finished filming two different digital series. Um one called The Rehab, which is uh, written by one of my former residents as well. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amaris. I'm not sure if she was on the floor year year, but her name is Amaricia Corley, um, also comedian. So just finished that. And another digital series called Car Therapy. Um, and these are both projects written by Black women uh dope you know uh tony baker also is in car therapy Yay. so yeah <laughs> um 
it's going to be dope. Um, been picking back up the music. So right now, just trying to get out an EP while simultaneously work on the album. Um, I've had a few virtual shows, Keep Your Distance. Um, I did a show with Queen Aisha, shout out to the DMV area. Um, speaking of DMV, I'm going to be at the DMV Live House um, on the 30th, virtually. So I'll share the link for all of that. Um, Audio listeners, jot this shit down. And she will also send me a link in the info so I can include that. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I, that's that's pretty much it. Just kind of finishing the year with as much content as I can. Um, getting ready for 2021 and whatever the hell is going to come with that. We shall see. People really took this whole thing way differently than what some people of my tribe had taken it. So when this shit went down, I was like, all right, I don't know how, but I just pretended to live in the world where this wasn't going to be forever. But but in the event that it was, adapt to the environment and the circumstance and know that I still have to continue to push. I still have to continue to level up every single moment, every time that I can. I can't go, woe is me, um, oh well, the, oh, the, oh, there's no industry. It went away. I fine. Fuck it. I will create my own. Exactly. I will run. I'm not waiting for a show or anyone who runs a show to put me on a show. I will create my own. I will build a studio. Built. Done. I will. I can't go to the gym. Build the gym. Cool. Boom. Done. Um, yeah. I told mm-hmm. myself. I don't know how. But I'm going to come out of the other side of this thing, whatever it is, better than I was when I even went in. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to see too. So when shit's popping again over there, I got shit popping over here already. So it's just like, all right, let me set everything I'm doing down real quick. And then what was that? Oh, you want me to? Okay. Hold on. Right, because yeah. that—that's a whole different kind of energy. Instead of someone who's been starved of creativity, and you needed Hollywood to validate you to tell you that you mattered, and you know, most cats feel like they're useless if they don't have an audition lined up or haven't in a while. I've just been—I've just been letting my agents know, yo, this is just what I'm up up to. This is what I'm on. Oh, by the way, yeah. I just built a whole website so y'all can send niggas over there to check everything out. They like it cool. If not, I'm still. I got to schedule a show for tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a whole different mindset and like mentality because you can't possibly approach anything that they got going on over there, which they don't, with any modicum of desperation. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm fulfilling myself, satisfying myself. I'm entertaining folks. I'm getting good feedback, getting better. I'm improving my instrument. And by the time shit's popping off over there, again, there's zero rust. Yep. No worries. No fucks given, even. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Just stand in the gym. I love that, you know, and like creating your own. So that's that's the beauty of it, I think. It's um we're experiencing a new a new renaissance where we're going to see a lot of new voices 
new faces, um, but they aren't necessarily new to the game. You know what I mean? This has just been, uh, and when the gatekeepers are gone, you know what I mean? That's it's just an opportunity for more folks to get their foot in the door. So I'm here for it. You know what I'm saying what was great yeah. about it is like three million motherfuckers got the hell about our way is what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like I, there was a mass exodus up out of here, and I'm like, yeah. you know, this quarantine is everywhere. I don't know if y'all knew. Yeah. But what you need to focus on is where you feel like you need to be. I think a lot of people retreated with their tails tucked between their legs because they figured there was safety elsewhere. And yep. you are never going to get to where you truly feel you deserve to be if you're playing it safe or if you're going into a territory um, with the hopes of being safe there, safer there. You got to be dangerous and you got to stay that way. We mm-hmm. do. We do. We can't afford to do nothing else but the most. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The yep. most, the most often. We've always been in danger. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's how we respond to stresses like this way fucking differently than most people yep. do. You saw throughout this whole time and you see throughout this time how fragile motherfuckers are. Mm-hmm. Like their constitutions are so weak. You never... Yep. Like they, So they wore... Ma- obviously they wore a mask this whole time. We knew this. We had an inkling we knew but no everyone got exposed this time everyone's mask got ripped off of their face and ironically we all had to put masks on Mm -hmm. and that exposed everyone for whoever like whatever kind of person they were before this shit even went down yep this has just been an amplifier just a human amplifier whatever you were made of is what is getting exposed Mm -hmm. before the world this is what this is you know what I'm saying some people they they said okay alright fucking bring it so they dig their heels in they get deeper into their bag creative bag whatever whatever the bag was they get more creative not less they get more inspired not less you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying not disillusioned but no things became clear instead yep so it's been fascinating to just see how you know Mm -hmm. people especially in my tribe and I'm proud of my tribe you're included how they've handled this and how they've taken it they've taken it as it comes and that's very kung fu very <laughs> wing chun shout out to sifu you know what i'm saying it's like man cool calm collected st- like even thinking about ways in which you lacked before this shit went down it's like cool i have all the time in the world to refine refine myself i can journey now unimpeded undistracted deeper into the center of myself and figure out what else is interesting about me what else I can bring to this table how else I can add to who I am that adds value to whatever anyone else has going on and know that the value is here with me I don't have to look externally for anything No, no validation I'm doing what I do you can keep up or get lost you know what I'm saying so That's just the kind of shit that I've been on, really. I love it. A lot of mental stuff, a lot of sauna stuff. You I know. see you in the streets. <laughs> oh, do, do you out, out there in the streets? Yeah, I see Shoot. you. No, I'm kind of built for this damn quarantine. Oh, you're no. kicking ass. 
I've been indoors chilling. That's it. Recharging the batteries. You know, in ways, yeah. But again, when you are tethered to purpose, they're not really drained. Mm. When you trim the fat from your life, you know, you get the bullshit out of there. It's over there and you're over here. Your home is your home. It's your sanctuary. It's a mm-hmm. place of solitude and peace. What's draining your battery? I mm. get physically tired, but that's because I'm doing things to improve my body and my mind. But no one's draining my energy. I have way too much. Yeah. And they don't have a fuck enough. You see what I'm saying? Like, you see how that works? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how shit goes. It's like, nah. Like you, your negative can't possibly cancel out my fucking positive. You gotta, you gotta be on my level. You, like you have yeah. to vibrate on that frequency in order to fuck with me. So no, you can't possibly drain me because I won't entertain you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. That's been what it is. What part of LA are you in right now? I'm in Van Nuys, the Valley. Okay. So I'm up in the Valley. What about you? I'm in downtown Burbank, Burbizzle, a.k.a. Okay. AKA Wisconsin. <laughs> there we go. Um, Burbank funny. Deja vu. It's cause I, was that you? I told somebody, I'm like, someone told me they live in Burbank, and I'm like, the next time I'm at Ikea, I'll hit you up. I was went that there you? one time. No, it wasn't me. Okay, so it's not deja vu. Now, so- I know this. I see Tony all the time. Because he lives, Tony has to live like on my street. Okay. Because (laughs) it's funny, you just see this tall ass dude. I didn't know. I had no idea he was that big. Um, Just walking down the street, only the way that Tony would. And I'm like, nah, it's Tony. But I'm always thinking whenever I see him, I'm like, all right. So I, I, like, I know at some point he's got to rip like the phone out and start making animal sounds and shit (laughs) and making animal videos because he does it all day. So I'm like, I just assume he's always working, just whenever I see him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's like the funniest thing. Yeah, like he lives super close. He like he just be walking down the street, and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, he's a Burbank resident. Mm-hmm. This is random. Uh, there's a Sprouts that I go to, but that reminds me of you because you put me on the Sprouts. I've been to that Sprouts. Have you? With Baker's girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> so behind. Never- yeah. That, that place is dope. At Berkeley, have, yeah, they have, I want to say, the best Ikea and the best Sprouts that I've ever been to. Yeah, the Sprouts we went to was downtrodden. They have the Selections. They have the Selections. That's certain shit you got to just slide over to Ralph's and get. You know what I'm saying? Like just the regular, regular shit. But Sprouts right. like keeps you covered everywhere else. Like the produce, their um, their ready made stuff, like their meal prep type shit. That shit is uh-huh. that shit solid. See, I, the thing is, I'm surprised I've, I've never gotten anything ready made at Sprouts. I don't know why I've never thought to do it. Mm-hmm. Not like the TV dinners and shit like that. Not the. Yeah, I know they dinners. have a whole deli. Yeah, like stuff that they um, like. Roast with 
the vegetables. Yeah, yeah like they just cooked. I just never think to get it. Like yeah. I'm not against it. I, I don't know why. I just like I'm always like do 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 go get the oat milk. Go get the do do do. Yeah, but now I'm curious about the hot foods. It's not bad. now. Um, so I get the cold shit. Like it's food that you have to warm up. Okay, I see. I see. You see what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah, yeah like salmon and like the butternut squash yeah. and shit. It's like now nah, you just got to heat it up when you get home. Yeah. But I don't get the ribs and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. then I'm thinking about my pops and I'm like, I almost don't want ribs until I get his ribs. Pause. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not about to do these because I will be disappointed. I know this. Yeah, you might as well just wait it out. I mean, come on. Like, the Negroes out here can't even cook barbecue. The black ones. I'll I, I be so disappointed, man. Is is there good barbecue in Cincinnati? Yes. Or just anywhere black people are elsewhere. It's something about the folks here. Huh? You saying people in LA can't barbecue? Or California as a whole? Hmm. It would be too broad a statement to say all of California because I haven't been to Fresno and shit. But if it's a Californian thing, then... I could probably venture to say that probably niggas in California just don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Just really don't do that sort of thing. You can't now you will find individuals who are grill masters. Like you'll find that, but culturally they didn't bring barbecue with them when they, when they fucking headed uh, West, they didn't bring that shit. They left that shit right where, right back in Memphis, right back in, you know, Cincinnati. Cause you know, so many cats can cook where we're from, but man, more often than not, if they're doing barbecue, you're like, all right, so what is this shit about to have inside of it? <laughs> okay. Know, like, you can go to the restaurants, right? The three yeah. black restaurants where they make soul food, <laughs> they barbecue and shit, yeah. this should be $19 for some, uh, you know, chicken wings. I'm like, y'all niggas do know how much chicken really costs, right? <laughs> like, just take a trip outside of California, the continent of California, and you understand why are you pricing this shit this way? This rubs everyone brown the wrong way because this is this is anti-American. This shit is prices. Not, yeah, like this isn't worth this. This isn't quail or pheasant, nigga. This is chicken or cow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What thirty bucks? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not spending thirty dollars on cheeseburgers, nigga. I'm gonna just get a pack of meat and I'm going to have a healthy. What Eddie Murphy would call big ass welfare burger. Yes. Cool. So put it on just some regular white bread. Some regular regular ass bread. <laughs> you know, like the bread about to sop up everything and be like, you know, Thanks. that pink dough he was talking about. <laughs> it's gonna have the memory foam handprints in that shit. Look, you in the game. In the game. The cheese is gonna be just caressing the patty. Yes. Caressing <laughs> the patty. Just like this caressing the patty you know what i'm saying man just like the cheeseburger is in a is you know a sarcophagus just chilling just like this just relaxed just cocooned in there some way somehow just cocooned in there some way somehow you know what i'm saying but not this uh, not this year this umami and style makes a okay burger but all of that's relative yeah to your ability to make your own fucking cheeseburger 
throw some barbecue sauce on there, some sweet baby <laughs> rays. What's your barbecue sauce? What's yours? Sweet baby rays is a good one. Yeah. Sweet baby rays is a good one for sure. And they started rolling out the different flavors. Like they got the uh see my shit right now is um CMOS. No, hell no. Oh, I thought you said they got I was like, wait, they got some CMOS barbecue sauce? No. What the <laughs> Okay, I listen, I okay. I was about to say. Hell no. <laughs> hell to the no no no. No, they got honey, um, spicy honey chipotle. Hmm. So it's got the kick. That, a little you know, spice. That you want. spice. But with a little honey dip, a little honey dip up in there. You feel me? Okay. Now, mm-hmm. my favorite barbecue sauce before that, this was for a limited time. So they had this shit. It was truly made by Kraft. Okay. But it wasn't Kraft. It was like one of their luxury brands of barbecue sauce. Uh, I call it like the Lexus of barbecue sauce. But that shit was, um, it was called Secret Six. Hmm. That's all it was called, Secret Six. And this... That in Cali? I don't think it made its way here. It made its way here. Like, that's where I found it. Oh, okay. But then I saw that closeout sign and I'm like, oh, no. Everything that I love, as far as a particular brand of something, these niggas get rid of. So I had my my favorite mm. farm style Greek frozen no not frozen yogurt but just yogurt farm style Greek. No one else makes farm style Greek. It's just Greek yogurt like Oikos and all that fucking garbage. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I came across a brand called Tillamook. I'm familiar with Tillamook. You're familiar with them? Okay, so they make everything dairy-related, right? But then they had this line of farm-style Greek yogurt. Like, the consistency's perfect, everything about it. Now, I go into Ralph's one time to go and pick up my Tillamook. It ain't there no more. And I'm looking at... I'm going to other Ralph's looking for this shit. And then I go into Sprouts because they had it. Okay. Gone. I think they scrapped the whole product line because I was the only nigga buying it, and I'm not, and I'm not enough. Yeah, not to keep them in business. I'm not enough. But that was the yogurt right there. I ain't had yogurt since for real. Man. You can't after you know when they discontinue what you found, what you loved. It just nothing hits the same no more. Nothing hits the same anymore. Not at all, <laughs> whatsoever. But there's some shit. Back East is called uh, Montgomery Inn. Have you ever okay. had that? The next time you end up in uh, Cincinnati. Have you ever been to Cincinnati? Mm-mm. Okay. You Never. Day. Have you toured? Yeah. Do you tour? Um, I, I, I was uh, not like majorly. I did a small tour with All Deaf. Okay. Um, but I did not. Cincinnati was not one of the places. Mm-hmm. Not one of the ones I went to. Is that something that you're into? Is like hitting the road, or is the road life? You're like, I ain't trying to do this road life type shit. Um, I'm definitely interested. I just haven't. Um, honestly, I had just started making connects with different comedians who are like producing their own shows um, outside of California back in February when I did the Bay Area Black Comedy Festival and competition. So. 
it was like that we were all talking about like yeah people who run shows like book us book us book us but then this happened the pandemic so um i probably i would say more like 2021 you'll probably get to see a little bit more of me leaving cali but um i i haven't done much outside of here atlanta um baltimore uh i did a cruise line mm-hmm. a little bit but that how was that though so it was constraints <laughs> so many constraints it was like uh being on a cruise i had never been on a a cruise as like a guest Mm. and i'm sure that's a much different experience than as a performer um or crew member or whatever you may call it but um definitely a lot of rules a lot um in terms of just all around even being on the ship, but um, definitely rules about our sets, what we could talk about, what we couldn't. Um, yeah, a lot of constraints. <laughs> like really specifically what to talk about and what you can talk about, like straight up topics? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or like no profanity. Like, well, no profanity, um, no nothing regarding race, religion, um, body type, um, so no comedy sex sexuality yeah really nothing um there yeah <laughs> a lot of rules so no comedy <laughs> like, yeah okay. the very um yeah, the very squarest version of itself possible yeah. yeah so it didn't really work out <laughs> you didn't want that to work <laughs> out it's all good I got to see some places. That was nice. I think the cruise itself was the victory here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not, you know, it like it wasn't my goal in life to play for niggas playing shuffleboard. You know. Wearing seersucker, yeah. docker jeans, yeah. pants, People shoes. Gonna, you know, it just, it was not a good fit for either party. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was fun. That's the only way that you learn, though. Yeah, it. and then go never again. Shall I do this? Exactly. <laughs> Facts. Absolutely. So, what do you um when you when you develop your comedy? Do you um is it just inspiration from everywhere, or do you just peruse articles and read shit and uh, just scan certain watering holes that you know that you can absorb things from and convert into some possibly funny? With regularity, do you have your certain places that you go to? Um, well, my style for developing my comedy, it's more based on as inspiration strikes. So I never know when it's going to come and where it's going to come from. Um, same with like music. I'm not very good at like just sitting down and like, this is what I'm going to, you know, it kind of just is... I'll have to keep thinking about it, thinking about it. And then boom, it may hit me at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever. And then it's like, I just got to jot it down as it comes. Um, That's more of my style. I'm not, I don't really um, do, I would say, commentary from a place of like where it's constantly about 
what's going on in the now or pop culture or even politics. I mean, if I, if something comes great, but, um, I kind of really just stem a lot from my own personal life and experiences. And then if something, you know, random comes up regarding pop culture, that's, that's great. But I think majority of my work comes from, you know, that's probably better. That way it's real every damn time. Yeah. Yeah. I do enjoy um, talking about, you know, things people can't relate to um, in terms of pop culture. I do like the, you know, but it's just a lot of times I'm just so behind. So it's more of just my own thing where I'm, I don't always know what's going on. I'm not the type to check the news every day or the shade room or, you know, whatever. <laughs> the shade uh, room, serious XM. I'm being hounded by them niggas now. <laughs> hey, so your uh, subscription's almost up there, uh, Mr. Waller. <laughs> you want us to call back at, at a better time? There is no better time. Like, I'm good. I am good. Do you know how much niggas don't need XM satellite radio? <laughs> like, are you taking road trips right now where you need to constantly, you know? Yeah. It's got to be tough to be a salesman for a company niggas know niggas don't need. <laughs> like, could you imagine having to sell a useless, like a useless product like no one needs? Like, man, I, I get my music 39 different ways. Right. And uninterrupted, on demand. Are yeah. you not familiar with these things? People play music through YouTube. Right. I, I do. YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud. Yeah, like there are YouTube DJs at this mug. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there were plenty of times up in Syracuse I was keeping the party going with YouTube. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, right. Uh, ain't nobody got no bogus ass uh XM satellite weird wedge sitting on top of the fucking uh the tabletop to pick up the satellite signal from wherever the fuck. It's uh pointed to the southeast and all that extra shit. Not no more. There was a time, but I think those days That's all that we had. Or yeah. Right. That was when niggas had CDs. All right, e- either CDs or satellite XM radio. You know what I'm saying, and that was kind of short-lived. Facts. And like, and I think that they still XM is still doing its thing. It's not doing its thing, but it's still alive and all of that stuff. Even though there are like podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts? Not as many as I would like to. Um, I keep saying I'm gonna I'm check out more podcasts, um, but no, I, I'm not a heavy podcaster um at all i listen to a lot more music but it is something that i want to just i I think it is great to a support like new voices as well but um yeah i think it's a new form of getting not just i think i would listen to a lot of like comedy based podcasts personally but um Right. Yeah. I think it's just a way to a good way to get content and information that you you're not gonna find in any other avenue. I think when it comes to like television or even just like flat out 
like radio, a lot of times it's um, more, a lot more production involved that it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say constrained in any sense, but I think podcasts, you, you kind of get um, access to just way more like, you never know where the conversation is going to go. So I kind of like that. <laughs> I would agree with you because one of the things that separates the podcast world from the radio world is one you have sponsors over here if you're doing well enough in podcast world but that's because your show is your show and they're into what you're into they're into what you are about so it's about you and they want to support that and be a part of your success and so it's kind of like a profit share thing right and they keep your lights on they can whereas on the other side advertisers are not the same as sponsors and that sponsors are sponsoring you. Like, you know, uh, mention this here and there. Just give us some access to your people. And then we'll, you know, we'll send some dough your way. Simple. And then advertisers, no, we have criteria and you have to meet person we allow to be here and sit in that chair. We pay for the studio. We pay for the time that you have to take out at a four in the morning you know, for the six, you know, for the six o'clock commute and you have to say and stay on, they've built this whole thing out. So no, your train goes down those tracks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't veer. It doesn't derail. It goes the way that they designed the show to go because the show had a name before you got there. You were the guy or you were the gal that they selected to run this show and run their narrative. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so under those constraints, all of those constraints, you're censored to death. Like you're not there to be yourself per se. Yeah. Which means be honest and be authentic per se. You're there to be a version of yourself that they need you to be to help them peddle their products mm-hmm. to the people that you cultivate to the audience that you are helping them build for their purposes. Whereas I can just wake up in the morning and do a podcast and it's mine. It's my fucking show. And Mm -hmm. if niggas want to align themselves with me, cool, let's have a conversation and we can Mm -hmm. discuss terms. You notice that instantly it's not about working for, but it's about working with. Yeah. The jargon is so important when it comes to ownership. Mm -hmm. And um, as we continue to grow, John A is very important that we let motherfuckers know or that they understand first and foremost that this is a working with and not a working for proposition. Absolutely. And you're instantly level. You're instantly peers on different sides of the table, but at the same fucking table. I'm not in a booster seat at Long John Silver's. My chair is the same size as yours and there ain't no throne nowhere, but this is mine. Mm-hmm. You took interest in my kingdom from the outside outsider, so you have to behave in such a way that's acceptable. If not, I'm not fucking with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There are billions of businesses don't necessarily need yours. Yeah, I really don't, because my tribe will find me and I'll find them. We're on a collision course, 
as long as you put the energy out there and they're seeking certain energy signatures and waves, there it is, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's just how I feel about it. I agree, definitely. Um, and especially right now, I, a lot of it is being, a lot of people who who are who are in this thing like for the long run like who are in this thing for the love who are in this thing for you know like genuine pure reasons it's like this time is bringing out those new relationships you know um and aligning that as well where it's it's not necessarily um the conversations of, well, do you have this big budget or do you have this? It's more like, well, hey, I'm, I'm trying to work too. You know, I'm trying to get this, this too. So, how more of a like by any means necessary on both ends, both parties. Like a, a lot of that is happening now, where people are believing in folks passions and, and backing them in ways that I would say I didn't see so much before this <laughs> you know um yeah so people are getting a little more humble and approach in in a lot of things where you know I was saying I think I was um I said this to my Sifu, but I also said this to JC the uh, the other night. I said, uh, I believe it was. I was like, um, what people are going to look back and regret, most people, no one in my tribe, but most people, a lot of people, as you can clearly see, clearly demonstrate, like just, it's so obvious, but most people are going to look back at this time and regret the fact that they missed out on as tumultuous as this time is, if you allow it to be, one of the most, if not the most important time in all of their lives and one of the greatest opportunities. Now, it's cloak and dagger in that it was dressed up to look so sinister and there are elements to it that are incredibly dangerous and risky and you should exercise caution but man what it did to people's minds it got them out of the game before they realized that there was a game that they could play that they could possibly win so I'm like no, I just picked up a fucking remote I'm like where, where, where are the sticks here they are it's time to fucking play ball let's get it you know what I'm saying it's just a different kind of level in that game and I was like, man, this is one of the greatest opportunities of all time. Everybody's like, I even have an episode in my podcast called Everybody's Got Time Today. Everybody has time today. Never in human history in modern times has everybody on the earth had time today. Never has there been such a lack of distraction, but in actuality today they found a way niggas found a way to be the most distracted they've ever been <laughs> you know what I'm saying and I was just like man I'm all in and I'm straight up focused you know and I just had that clarity about me early on I was like man 
Well, while they're distracted, there's no one in my fucking way. That's for sure. <laughs> no one in PE me. I'm just, I'm just over here running my show, shooting the shit with people I give a fuck about. My tribe. You know what I'm saying? And we're building something. Whether even they know it or not, immediately, we're doing something special. And you can look back and you can know that a whole lot of shit got done versus zero versus nothing got done waiting for your little checks to come in and this and that. Yeah, of course, a lot of people are in the same fucking boat. But man, yeah. definitely seize these opportunities and take care of what you do have control over. So I just thought about all of the things. I took an inventory of all of the things that I did have control over. And I just started going to town with it. Like, mm-hmm. I can definitely do this. I definitely have all of the skills to do that. And now all of the technology to handle this and all of the hardware to do that and the software to, to handle and manipulate that, my show. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And yeah. that's all. And it's yours. And you can just build on top of that shit. And then by the time you're through this phase of the game, there's a new level introduced to this game. And, and it might not be as dangerous. You weathered the hard part, the crazy part, the dangerous part, the most dangerous part, where your health and shit was at risk on a biological level. But man, look what you built along the way. Look what you don't have to do now. Now you can enjoy simply the fruits of all of the labor that you put in during those times when you had all of that time. And now with the harvest, now that you're harvesting, now that it's harvest season, you're just plucking the fruits from the seeds you've been planting that whole time that no one else was. You saw fertile ground instead of a barren wasteland. You know what I'm saying? And you were just planting seeds in that soil that you knew was fertile. And now you're just plucking plants up, pulling the fruit up, all of that shit. And now you can continue to relax and just chill and do what the fuck you want to do when you want to do it and how you want to get it done. Mm-hmm. You know? And just have your people come along. You know? Yep. And, you know, when they were game the whole time. You know, that's the way... That's, you know, that I mean, that's just the way I think about shit. I'm weird. <laughs> Are we all uh, there's There's levels to that. There's levels <laughs> to that shit. Yeah, Johnny. I'm telling you, on that positive note, what you got planned? What do you watch? What are your favorite things to watch? What have you been doing? Like, surely, during this time, I think a lot of people made all kinds of interesting discoveries about what they're into and this and that. Like, I didn't know I gave a shit about documentaries, you know, or whatever that is. What are you consuming? Um, well... Let's see. I started watching <laughs> like more foreign thing, foreign films or foreign television shows. So some Korean uh, sitcoms, Nigerian movies, not would. Um, I I've been getting to catch up on like uh, just different projects that friends have either written on or been on which for me is always fun because when I'm working I'm I really don't have time for much else (laughs) so this time has allowed me to you know do the things I've been wanting to do like I've always wanted to binge watch things or do shit like that um I've been watching a lot of crime and drug shows (laughs) um (laughs) Wentworth, uh, 
I I just started Shit's Creek. I, I, that shit is yeah. so damn funny. Um, what what other good ones? Uh, I Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. I, yeah, I, I, I read for that when it was a pilot. Yeah, I, yeah. I read. Um, I didn't know what that shit was about to be about though. It just said ratchet, and I thought it was some hood shit. Right? Doesn't it seem like it would be? I thought it was some hood shit, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's right on my alley. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Went in the red for that shit, and um, I was like, what is this about? <laughs> right? Like, wait, because y'all didn't say enough. I'm like, I see medical shit, but uh-huh. shit, nurses and shit. I'm like, what is this? There are nurses. Where's the crazy ratchets? And I'm like, oh, ratchet. <laughs> And then I'm like, Ratched? I didn't know it was a last name. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, y'all could have said that shit in the description. I would have completely had a different kind of mind about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then I saw Sarah Paulson, and I'm like, mm, okay. It, it ain't no yeah. hood shit. No, definitely not. Not with, not with Sarah. Not with Sarah. Uh, and then I've been watching the Nostalgics, the Throwbacks, the Moesha, 101, um, 101. the Parkers, you know? Uh, sister, sister, it makes me very happy. Something about watching shows that I watched when I was younger just takes me back for real, for real. So, because yeah. niggas be on TV and trace amounts nowadays. Yeah. You know how we had slates of black programming and niggas on shows doing well because right? they're on shows too, yeah. instead of now all like that same kind of population. Like in this town, having to compete for the one black role, to be the one nigga on the whole show, how, right? How like how different that is? Like yeah, TV one, yeah, UPN, you had uh, boo boo boo, yeah, Martin, Fresh Prince. I'm like, hey, yep. niggas, there are chances, there are opportunities for you, and on major networks. But now it's like, well, all right, so one guy's got to be janitor number three, so <laughs> whoever brother do that, and then there'll be a main brother, but it'll be the main brother, and then like when you like when you listen to him talk or the dialogue we know we know whether it was written for a nigga or not yeah that guy who you named Caleb still because you were so lazy no you had a Caleb in mind yeah but they were like hey like we have zero zero color here what are we gonna do well all right, so we're gonna open this up make it a little bit more broad uh, yep. casting and we're gonna hire uh, you know Echo Kellum just throwing yep. out a random name yeah. but he's very safe he's so safe he'll play Caleb and we ain't changing that nigga's name yeah. it's Caleb he's a black ass Caleb and he's gonna sound like a Caleb and he's gonna be delivering Caleb uh, Caleb lines Yeah. and the mainstream is gonna love him and he's gonna do well but that'll be how it, like this thing goes you know rinse and repeat rinse and repeat so I'm like alright can't rely on that like you, like you know what I'm saying um, like whatsoever so yep that's how the shit goes but I think about those shows and I'm like man like you have Family Matters you have Rock remember Rock with Charles S. Dutton yep and you had In Living Single all of those shows were the shows that really launched those networks, those major networks into this prime time premium kind of content generation. But what mm-hmm. they did was they took the people 
that were drawn to your Fresh Prince of Bel Airs, drawn to Moesha, drawn to One on One, drawn to and living single. They canceled the fuck out of those shows. Your Martins, they got rid of those. Then they brought in your Gilmore Girls. They brought in One Tree Hill. They brought in yeah. Seventh Heaven. And it was a play. They hoped that the niggas would stay. A lot of them did because there wasn't shit else to watch. I'm going to watch TV. It was yeah. an old bait and switch. And that's the same thing that they like. That's how they did um, Joe Budden in the podcast world. So Spotify, who'd be shitting on people? Left and right music people, podcast people. They have their slate. They have what they want. They have uh, this prospectus as to how they want their business and their demo to look like, their ideal people. Mm-hmm. They have them. But they had to have a superstar like Joe come in to get the Joe that they wanted. Fast forward two years later, guess what you got happening? Budden got shot on, right? Him, Rory, Marlon Parks. He was like, I'm out of here. And they're like, cool. By design, yeah. Joe Rogan, who I enjoy his podcast and what he'd be about, usually. That was the Joe they wanted, but they had to deal with the Joe that they can get. Mm-hmm. Right? So they offered him $100 million, no, $300 million, something like that. No, $100 million. Yeah. $100 million. Joe couldn't get, Joe Budden couldn't even get the, the damn performance-based bonuses and incentives in the contract. So he's like, you know what? I'm out of here, fools. So they bounced. He's talking ownership. He's got the Joe Budden network now, which is the way it should have been all along. And actually, that's what it was from, from the jump. But he was like, let me get them Spotify badge real quick, too. Yep. Smart. That raised his platform, elevated everything. And even this drama, he's going to benefit from in the end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that was a valuable experience. But it was the same kind of concept. We want to channel and hopefully Joe Budden's people stay. That's who we were trying to poach. That way, we can funnel them easily. We increase our market share because we have millions of subscribers, his, and then they're going to be on the Amy Schumer podcast. They're going to go and listen to her talk about bullshit. We're going to listen to the Michelle Obama podcast and our our whole slate. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Gimlet's the name of the other. Like They gave them cats like, an obscene amount of money, like $250 million to get a podcast network from them. And I'm like, wow, that brother didn't get none of that. Uh-huh. None. But he helped right. them draft the model the whole he was the first podcaster there and he helped them draft the profit model by which to negotiate and start and give people contracts to begin with but they weren't open to negotiation with someone like him and so we have to you know I just try to stay cognizant and I just keep those things in mind when I think about how I'm building what I'm building and moving how I'm moving you know what I'm saying? Have you ever considered doing a podcast? Has it, has anyone um, approached you? I've I've like co-hosted for the Crack 'em Up uh, podcast um, in the past. So there's like a few episodes I've done with that one. Um, I have had people ask me like, you, should, you know, you should start a podcast. For me, I'm still playing around with like what I would really want want it to be. I have tons of ideas between talk shows, podcasts, of just which I would say medium works best for 
the type of person I am. Uh, maybe it's multiple shows, which is something I'm open to as well. Because um, there's many, I some uh, many sides of me and many, I know many different types of people, which I know I would obviously want to bring in tons of guests. Um, so I would say it's this idea is brewing, but I have not uh, started one officially. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's tailor-made. I think that you would be wonderful at it. And I think that uh, with the pool of people who love Queen John A dearly, um, it would be off to a quick and a fast start, you know, and a lovely start. And I think that uh, that's something that your people have been waiting for. Thank you. And I know that, uh, you know, it wouldn't be an issue at all, you know, but you just got to start. Yeah. And that's the hardest part, right? It's just starting. Because exactly. once you start doing it, though, you just get addicted. Like, I can't go too long now without uh-huh. it. I start Jones, and I'm like, man, I got to make, I got to yeah. create. But just knowing that you can just create on demand when you decide to, like, you want to get high off of that. Yeah. That's the high. It's like, man, I could just, I can make a show today. Mm-hmm. And people can hear it today, if not tomorrow. It's crazy. That, you know yeah, Dope. We live in a dope time uh, where, you know, is we just don't have the constraints, the gatekeepers, and things like that anymore. Where it's like, it's my shit. Yeah, and it's no <laughs> better way to get to know John A. This is true. I'm telling you, and guess what? You like you about to bring all of them motherfuckers straight to the show. That part. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I, hey, I'm about to be in Maryland. Pull up. They're there already. They done beat you there. You feel me? Yeah. That's a whole nother phase of that game, too. Absolutely. So it's like an ecosystem of uh, success. Like, every component of your ecosystem feeds and sustains itself with itself. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think it'll be a beautiful thing. But you go on and nurse yourself back to health, please. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where... <laughs> Sniffles is coming from, but I'm about to take elderberry. Yep. I, I'm really shocked because I have not had a sniffle, a cold, or anything like this in so long. So, um, get the oils of oregano. Yes, I have some of that. You? Okay, elderberry oils of oregano. Um, let's see, let's see what else. Cayenne is always dope. So, so it'll um, open you up. Yeah, because you need to get that up out of you, and um, that's probably the main thing. Black pepper, a fresh squeezed juice, right? Apply yourself mm-hmm. with those nutrients and shit. And the black pepper will be so that you can absorb everything fully. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Because you, yeah. you said elderberry. You're like, nigga, I know this. No, no, yeah, no, but all, all of those are good things. And I'm going to make some witch concoction. <laughs> I do every day. So, what are your socials? Where can they find you at? So, um, I hang out a lot on Instagram, uh, which is um, at John A. The Queen. That's J-O-N-N-A-E-T-H-E-Q-U-E-E-N. Um, please like my Facebook page, my fan page, uh, John A. Thompson, J-O-N-N-A-E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on um, YouTube 
Spotify, Pandora, all those fun things. And and you're going to text that to my phone so that I can put that straight up on the description. For sure. John A., we got to do this more. I would love to. This is a lot of fun. It'll be a whole lot more fun when you feel way better. (laughs) I know. I I feel so bad. I've just been like... No, no, don't. 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 Don't feel bad at all. Like, this is a part of the human experience. I'm like, uh, I don't want to reschedule, but yeah. No, I really thank you. Like, you're all heart. You're a warrior. You're like, you know what? I'm a soldier through this shit for my brother, and then I'm going to heal up later, and then we're going to even... This was amazing. I really, I'm really thankful, and so thank, thank you. you. I'm humbled, and I'm grateful for you. And we're gonna do this again, okay? <laughs> I can't wait, and I hope to see you soon. We'll see each other soon. I love you. Love you. Peace. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, that was John A. Thompson. I hope that y'all love the show. I know I did. Long overdue. Hopefully you learned a thing or 17 about John A. Thompson. She's just a wonderful person. She was a little under the weather, but that's okay. She's still soldiered on. Because she's amazing. She's a powerful, powerful woman. Powerful black woman. Go and check out her comedy. It's amazing. If you guys have any questions at all, inquiries, content submissions, send it all to imeanpod at gmail.com. I mean pod at gmail.com. I-M-E-A-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. Also, I am Monkey D. Travanti signing off. I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Monkey D. Travanti as well. And I'm also on motherfucking Twitch. So please, as soon as you can, as soon as you hear this part, go. If you don't have Twitch, get a fucking Twitch, open it, create an account. It takes two minutes and just find me at Monkey D. Travanti. Follow me. Get my numbers up. Get the algorithm jumping and leave a five star sterling review on Apple Pod and Spotify and all them damn joints. Google Podcasts. I'm everywhere, baby. I'm everywhere, fam. And just leave a five-star review. That helps the algorithm get jumping so that also my show is exposed to more people like you so that I can uh, continue to grow and we can continue to grow. And you guys can look back and laugh with me when I look back and go, man, remember back then? And I have y'all to thank. So thank you. And stay safe. Um, And take to heart what I've been saying. You know what I'm saying? That was on my spirit, and hopefully it was on yours too, and hopefully I helped in some small way. So, everyone stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, keep it positive, man. There's a whole lot of negative out there, but I'm telling you, we need that positivity. You know what I'm saying? So, it's all love, y'all. Hit me up, holla at me. And I'll be streaming here to Ghost of Tsushima and streaming different games. Like, you never know, but I'll let y'all know. So just go over there for now. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash monkeydtravanti. And uh, follow. That way you'll be notified anytime I'm on live. And uh, interact with me there. Interact with me there on Twitter, on Instagram. It's all love. So y'all take care. Peace. Can't wait till you lie next to me. Cold sheets on a bedroom line. 
I know that this is wrong. And we out, baby.